Hello, hello, hello. This is Conrad. Live. Well, recording. I'm live here in the moment. You are in the future. <laughs> but who's in the past listening? That's the real question. Just kidding. So I just realized that there's roofers next door. So this might end if they continue their work, which they probably will. You know what's sad is if I continue to do uh, to do this... Well, you can probably hear all this nature in the background because these windows, these Hawaii windows, they just filter air because of the temperature. So they have like screens on them and then they have these like weird things that like open and I don't know. It's like shades, but they're glass and they're a little bit bigger. It's it's interesting, but they're all over Hawaii. So you can't really get too far away from nature, which I actually like, you know, you get holed up in these homes. <laughs> With your technology. Just kidding. Um, so this uh, is my podcast. <laughs> Just another dude who thinks his voice is supposed to be heard across, you know, the uh, global landscape of our existence. So I apologize in advance for thinking, you know, I'm worth your time. But I realize that. More and more, you, you just go out into the world, and you just see people with their ear, their ear, ear pods, AirPods, you know, stuff like that. In and people just, uh, you know, we're not disconnected from our, uh, society as a whole, I guess, but we are definitely more sort of focused on the things we like more around the clock, which I can kind of get. I'm the same way. So, who am I to judge? I'm not judging. I'm just kind of making an observation. I even saw this. Lady, probably like, I don't know, she has to be at least in her 60s. And she had like, uh, like definitely had a cane, and she's just like holding her, like had like a bag of whatever. In Hawaii, as many states now, you're not supposed to have uh, plastic bags. Or they charge you 15 cents, so it's just a tax. But to me, that's kind of weird. So a lot of people have, you know, their actual reusable, you know, custom bags or whatever that they they bring with them when they go grocery shopping unless you're in the military because the commissaries which are their versions of grocery stores and then the next the nex which is just basically like an all you it's like a target or a walmart for military members they still are just doesn't matter what state you're in they just have plastic bags like it's nobody's business so i don't get why the military uh, people folk are exempt i don't really like that personally speaking uh yeah so this lady um she uh she had a little she had airpods in <laughs> so i'm just like what is she listening to and i'll probably i don't know who knows maybe music but since my very first initial episode which was just a raw cut me just throwing it out there seeing what i could do without much planning i shared it with a few friends and then i accidentally posted it to itunes and i said well I'll just leave it i don't care but if you made it past that first one, or if you're listening to this before you ever listen to that, just know that was me basically saying, what can I do if I just talk uninhibited without planning? And if I can get through that, that will be the worst thing I ever put out. At least I hope. <laughs> so if you could listen to that and be like, okay, there might be something here, just know it's going to get better, I would think. And if you're okay with that, then moving forward, we should be just fine. I'm just trying to learn, grow, think out loud, and just kind of embrace the world for what it is and try to figure it out along the way. And you can join me for that journey. I'm not smarter than you. I don't know more than you. And 
I'm probably not even funnier than you. <laughs> but I'm here as a human, so I'm just trying to learn how to follow my passions. And artistically, I've been re-energized, so I'm kind of just going down that road again. So why not gain motivation by sharing that actively with others so that they can know it's coming, while meanwhile forcing myself to be accountable to someone so that way, if I'm putting this out there into the uh, the, the global thought <laughs> bubble that is us, there is a sense of responsibility of responsibility for me to finish what I start. Because that has always been something that has been a bit troublesome for me. The big thing, the big goal is I'm writing a book. And I'm more than halfway through. And I'm excited with where it's going. And I, I have the title for it. So that's like, not step one because I've been writing it, but... I've been bouncing around in my ideas how I want to, what I would want to have as a title. I got it. I'm not going to share it now. Maybe I will before. Well, obviously I will before it comes out. But right now I'm going to keep that one a secret. A big, a big section of the story, though, however, uh, came through a couple of weeks ago, and it's going to be written about extensively. It's going to be multiple chapters in the book, and it's just off a whim. I decided to go to the beach to these uh, northeastern side of Hawaii, which there's beautiful beaches. There's one beach in particular called Waimanalo, which I love to go to. That's where I was going to go. But as I was driving through the mountains, because I live in the south side of the island, to get to the north side, the northeast. Did I say southeast originally? Yeah. So this, I was trying to get to the northeast side of the island. And you go through the mountains. If you guys have uh, watched Triple Frontier on Netflix, it's that highway. When they're going into Brasilia, through the Peru Andes, the mountains, that's actually H3 Highway in Oahu. I probably have, I say that like, I'll probably say that every podcast. <laughs> but I was coming from the opposite end, so I would actually be, if I was in that film, if I was in that scene, you would see me coming out the mountain as they're coming in, right? So when you come out of the mountain, you're completely on the other side of the island now because you've gone through the mountain, literally, the giant mountains. And there can be completely different weather over there. And there usually is. In the mountains, usually it's pretty rainy. So you don't, you're like, you're, you're like, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter because once you get to the shoreline, just there's just multiple climates at any moment in this tiny island, and it's it's so interesting to see. To me, more and more, and again, this is another aspect of the book. I'm I'm just talking about how I go into depth with how Oahu is just like a it's almost like a miniaturized version of the world <laughs> for various reasons, culturally, economically, uh, and of course uh, from a climate perspective. But that's not why I'm here. I'm talking about an interesting thing that happened to me. So I went through the mountains, and I'm driving down, and I see off in the distance to the northeast where the beaches where I was I wanted to go to. It just was. It, I could tell it was actually raining over there too. And I was like, well, that's not that's not what I'm trying to do right now. I'm not trying to swim in the rain. I want to get a little sun work on my tan. So I said, screw it. I'm going to go to the north shore, the northwest of the island, because it looks pretty clear over there. And I pulled into the Seven uh, Eleven before you start that stretch on the eastern side of the island, or the eastern side of the North Shore. Wow! And as soon as I get out, there is a homeless man who uh, immediately comes up to me. Well, I, the only reason why I knew he was homeless because he had a bag of belongings. He wasn't wearing a shirt. Was definitely ragged looking. Had a surfboard, which you know in Hawaii. <laughs> that's uh, you, you might not have a home, but you probably have a surfboard and. He asked me if he could get a ride. And on the North Shore, there's only one main road. There's one main highway, Kamehameha Highway, 83. 
And so what am I supposed to do? Say no. First off, I was in a good mood. Um, I've kind of, my whole brain has been almost reworked for different various reasons. And in the very first initial uh, Raw Cut podcast, I was talking about how I was just interested in these like figures that exist on this on this island that it's obviously they, they don't seem to have a home. They clearly have a story because how do they get there in the first place? And it was just overall intriguing to me, these sort of castaways of society. So I said, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this guy a ride wherever he needs to go. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely, brother. I'll take you. And let me go into the, let me go into the 7-Eleven here because I was going to grab a few drinks. <laughs> and like I said, he wasn't wearing a shirt. His name I learned was Surf. Well, he has a real name, but that's what everyone called him. So that's what he went by, and that's what I was going to call him. His name was Surf. And he, he takes off his sunglasses, and he's w- clearly wired. Who You know, he, he has, a, he has like, this open container um, jug, which definitely had uh, alcohol in it. <laughs> and he says, look at me, brother. See my eyes? You're helping God. <laughs> this is God you're helping, and you are blessed. <laughs> So right then, I, there, I knew I'd either made a grand mistake <laughs> or uh, this was going to be good. And I was thinking this was going to be good. So put your money where your mouth is. I'm interested in these people, right? What is their story? So why not interact with, interact with one? Why not help one out? It's no skin off my back to throw a guy in the passenger side, throw stuff in the back seat of my car, and let's go for a joyride a bit. So... I let him in. I, I help him. He's got a cast in his right arm, you know, so he's taking some damage from something, you know, throwing a punch. I don't know. <laughs> I would learn. Uh, and we begin our journey and we immediately click. Um, maybe it's a little frightening that I have the ability to immediate, immediately click with uh, someone who would be considered potentially just crazy. You know, that's the initial response that you want to throw to these people. Is that they're crazy? Were they homeless? You know. Yeah, that guy's crazy, you know? So, oh, you know, you know, you know, you know. So I'm going to say you know a lot. I'm trying not to. But everyone just has these filler statements that they make in life. We all have them. I promise you do. And if you don't, you're lying to me. So there's a good chance that I'm going to say you know about a billion more times. And I apologize in advance. I really do. I think it's the French-Canadian in me, man, you know? Because Canadians, they love to say, you know... So I am American, but half of me is French-Canadian in nature. Or no, in origin. Sorry, not in nature. Which is interesting because the French, when the French Revolution happened, a lot of the aristocrats, they... Uh, if I ever I repeat a story, it's just because I forgot I told you. I don't know. So, like I said, moving forward, I have a little list here of thoughts I'm going to try to spit out. <laughs> but... If I ever repeat myself, I don't know, just listen to it again, and then, but the veracity of the story, if the consistencies are true, you can now tell whether or not this is the truth of the story. No. But, uh, you know, uh, so French-Canadian, yeah. So the aristocrats during the French Revolution, they were getting their heads chopped off, or they fled. And where did they flee to? Or they fled to the province or the colony of you know, Canada, Quebec, Quebec, whatever you want to call it. That's the one now owned by the Queen, right? Because that's where everyone speaks French. Everything else still somehow falls under the Queen's power, which is interesting. I met somebody who uh, actually was from Windsor. They're basically the neighbor of the Queen. That was pretty cool when I was hiking. 
<laughs> I love foreign accents. I really wish I had one. For them, it's just their normal voice. But for you know people like me and maybe you, it's just like wow. If I could only speak like that every single day, <clears throat> I, I feel like people would think I'm smarter. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I may come from historically speaking aristocrats that fled. I don't know though because then I also heard. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's more stuff I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to dig deep into, like, you know, I'm not just doing the, was it the 23andMe, the DNA testing? Uh, but I'm also trying to, you know, figure out my history because we all have these histories, right? But, you know, so 100 years from now, people are going to be, they're going to have so many pictures of their uh, their ancestors, they're probably going to be sick of it. Like, you know, we're, categor- we're categor- categorizing our lives on the internet you know, Instagram, etc. So people are going to be very clear of who we were in the future. And then when the, uh, you know, when that great day in the moment in the future happens, when AI supersedes human intellect and we, we don't know what's going to happen, what's going to awaken up or if everything will be exposed or what, you know, the dirty, dark secrets of all of us. So that, <laughs> you know, the future is dicey. So enjoy this level of freedom in terms of not having to be completely, you know, integrated fully into society while you have it, because that day is not too far away, if we are to believe the scientists that control Afija. But, back to Surf. Surf, what was I talking about? Well, I picked him up. Like I said, we instantly clicked. And uh, we were just talking it up, talking some crazy stuff. He starts talking about his past. Basically, long story short, the man had been surfing on the North Shore, living on the North Shore, uh, you know, and surfing as much as possible. It's something he'd picked up recently. He was about six feet tall, so he's taller than me. Uh, Definitely physically uh, built. You know, he was shirtless, so, you know, there was no denying his frame. (laughs) He was wearing, he had a cast, shirtless, wearing these... um, skin tight jeans and these hard boots hard boots what does that mean uh timberlands was what i was initially trying to say tims i haven't had a pair of tims in years you don't wear boots in hawaii unless you're a construction worker and he uh you know he was telling me that he was recently out of jail so he was spent 10 years plus in jail in the state of florida he said he was 31 so that means he had been in the uh, justice system basically as soon as he was nearing his 20s, he was, you know, sentenced or in the process of going to jail. He was a former crack addict. As a teenager, he had got hooked on crack for what he stated was about four months. And obviously the drug turned him into a completely different person. He had no money. He wanted the drug, so he stole. He robbed uh, homes in his local town. He made sure to make sure to let me know that he did this when people weren't home. So these were nonviolent crimes in terms of hurting people. Physically, obviously, financially, uh, there would be aspects of pain. But he robbed about three homes, got turned in, said he even stole from his own family, uh, and he went to jail. Sentenced originally for what he stated was a two-in, four-out sentence, which means you go in for two years, and then you uh, basically are on a sort of parole, house arrest, halfway home sort of deal for four but due to the system, which I'll talk about here more in a minute, that turned into 11, 10 to 11 plus years 
which also, uh, he stated, could have been, when it was all said and done, 50. I watched a documentary on Netflix. Um, basically, it's about the legalization of cannabis sweeping across the nation. And, you know, I, I'm 100% convinced in five years we're all going to look back on this and laugh as it's going to be completely legal in every single state. And uh, as a member of the military, I'm not allowed to partake in cannabis. That being said, when I get out of the military, I fully plan on utilizing cannabis. <laughs> and veterans in the military, as I am in the military, are in, uh, a crucial member of the, the fight for it because of the PTSD aspects. Now, I haven't done anything, in my opinion, uh, worthy of experiencing PTSD, but I have had PTSD in my life due to a concussion-level fall I took once on the basketball court in my college days. Um, that changed, no doubt in my mind, changed the uh, framework and the the brain waves or whatever it is, the science behind concussions and how it can change your your train of thought. Strain of thought. Is it train or strain of thought? I'll go with both. Uh, so, so yes, um, I was watching this documentary. I'm trying to stay focused. That was another thing that was, I had a couple trusted friends listen, and I said, hey, this is, I'm just, listen to this. This is my raw cut. Should I continue to do this? If not, just, that's okay. I trust your judgment. I'm not. <laughs> my true passion right now is is writing this, finishing this book, right? But in the meantime, I do also want to expand and promote and kind of get into the um, this, the, the game of communication. So that's why I'm doing this. Uh, yeah, so anyways. So I watched this Netflix documentary about you know, cannabis and, it's, and how it was made illegal and the reasons why the racist uh, history behind it, the misinformation, the government using you know basically falsified uh, a doc- doctoral documents, and <laughs> basically doctors paid off to promote a certain type of message that was really um, anti. Uh, you know, it was just not equal to what true science would suggest. So along the way, it has led to the mass incarceration of you know primarily you know, African-American and minority uh, subcultures. Surf, however, is white. And he is not on, in this, he was not arrested for uh, cannabis use. He was arrested, honestly, he was arrested for robbery. But, he again, I'm, I'm still trying to get the full story out of him because, you know, he's been in jail for, well, he was in prison for a decade plus. And, you know, his brain's a little fried, I'm not going to lie. And, and uh, but you can see him fighting it actively at the same time because he is intelligent. <laughs> and we're, I want to talk more about this. Uh, I don't want to ruin the book entirely because this is going to be about three chapters of my book. Um, varied out throughout the story. This, the, the book is... it's. <laughs> I, I described it to one friend and he, he said, oh, it's going to be an anthology because it's going to be a mixture of truth, non-truths. And by, by, what I mean by non-truths is just stories. So the reader's going to have to determine what's real, what's not. And then uh, philosophical concepts mixed in between. It's going to bounce back and forth between all of it. And I promise it'll be entertaining. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I just, I think artistically speaking, and I'm learning this, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that everyone in the world has some sort of artistic talent. And it took me many years to accept or at least understand fully, because I've done stuff in the past, that I think writing truly is the gift that I've been given that I'm supposed to share to the world. doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, 
become rich off of it or famous or any of that stuff. That's not what it's about. To me, it's about getting involved creatively into the world and sharing because everyone has something to offer up to this whole of society, right? And when you're in America, you have this rare opportunity that the majority of the world doesn't currently have, which is you have freedom in terms of time. (laughs) You know, this concept that, oh, I don't have to do anything right now because financially speaking, I'm okay. You know, the majority of the world doesn't have that option. I believe 1% of the world makes $34,000 American or more. So even there's like the 1% that is completely robbing our nation, which is pretty obvious at this point, and the government protects, and sadly, I'm in the military on Navy ships protecting oil rigs, et cetera, et cetera, but I want to get into that right now. I don't want to be negative. (laughs) But then there's this other 1% of the world, which even if you are doing average in a country like this, the cost of living changes things, right? But you're still, financially speaking, better than the majority of the world. So the rest of the world the majority of the world is just fighting to survive. They just are. So when you're trying to fight for your existence, you don't have time to philosophically think about the greater questions of the world. So if you are in that opportunity, or if you're in that place, which if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you are. If you're not, we're going to figure out a way to get you to that place. But you have freedom of time. And with freedom of time, you have the, the ability to investigate the greater mysteries of the universe. And that's what I want to do. I love sports, but I'm not interested in involving, revolving my my life around watching sports anymore, you know, which for years, I, that's kind of like, was just my go-to hobby. Video games, I'm just done with, you know, I never really, I liked them when I was a teenager, I definitely liked them, but even that's been fading. I just, there's this great big world, <laughs> you know, there's this great big world that we're in. And and how much fun is it to try to figure it out? So, you know, I've lived a half-assed life for a very long time. So, to me, a big part of, and the gift and the honor that has been presented to me is artistically I get to investigate what we have here. So that's what I'm doing, you know? And I'll get off that rant and I'll continue on back to surf. So... Uh, yeah, so he, what, uh, in, in line with this documentary, I was also learning you just how the prisons make so much money. Once they have you there, they're financially speaking, you're going to make bank off of the whole industry. Cottage industries are created, you know, by these giant prisons. They, they employ people. You get more funding from the government, the bigger you get stuff of that nature. Right. So once they have you in there, and there's just a lot of dark-minded people behind these greater concepts of, oh, you're a drug addict? Oh, that forced you to become a thief? Oh, we're going to punish you. That's how we're going to fix you. You see what I'm saying? This guy had an addiction. That was his problem. He needed help. And being th- locked away for a decade plus for a crime he committed when he wasn't in a proper state of mind. And I know this is, I know what you're going to say. Well, what if he murdered somebody? So on and so forth. I get it. Okay, but when you have people in society that are hurting because they were addicted to something that they can no longer, it's an addiction, they can't get past this thing. You know, to me, throwing in the way a young mind who has ultimately the ability to help the world can add to this, you know, to this world is a part of, fundamentally speaking, the 1%, which means he's going to have free time, which means he can investigate 
you know, the whims of our culture and figure out how to push us forward into a better place, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot so that a certain uh, group of people can make money? <laughs> God, so broken, so broken. So we're not going to solve this all in one day, so let me push forward. So the, you know, the documentary was kind of opening my mind up to that, and I watched that after the fact, after I talked to him. But then he you know, was very adamant that you know, he saw people die, you know, murdered in jail. Now, again, do I have to take everything he's saying with a grain of uh, salt? Yes. At the same time, everything else that he was showing, doing, and saying in the two days, which I will get into a little bit more of, that I interact with him, helped him out. Um, I think he gave me no reason to believe that he was a liar. You know, he was a very passionate about God, right? And that the um, you know that the, the, the world needed God, and obviously Jesus was his was his jam. Well, not obviously. I'm telling you now. You know, and uh, he was you know hated churches because you know a lot like me, and that's why sometimes I wonder if this guy was even real, or if he was just a figment in my mind. <laughs> By the book. Um, uh, you know, he he was just very in line with a lot of things that were going through my mind at that time. It was almost serendipitous in a lot of ways. Eerily, you know, when you call it to the universe, the universe responds, and then it's up to you to say, okay, I am going to be a receiver now and learn. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, so he's just adamant that once they have you in the system, there are people in there making money off of you. And, and those are the people that are paying off the politician. You know, he's very eloquent because he was dealing with this for a decade. You know, he's sitting there saying he's at the courtroom, supposed to be out after two years, and they're telling him now he's going to be doing a decade. And then, you know, when that time was coming up, they were almost trying to keep him in there for the rest of his life. Man was no longer addicted to crack. Man had done nothing to hurt anyone past his initial crime. But since he was young, strong, capable, and now was able to be uh, banked off of financially, and while you're in there, they're putting you to work for, what, I don't even know, like a penny an hour? You know, hard labor, right? It's just, ugh. anyways, I'm trying to not get worked up here. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's slave labor. And that's what he was very adamant. He's like, I, people were getting killed because they, they didn't want to be slaves. You know, and obviously, again, he was white, but the majority of people getting in prison based off a drug that is now being legalized across many states and is going to, it's inevitably, once the powers that be are able to position themselves to control the market, it's going to go fully legal. We all know that. It's not rocket science to figure out. It's just like electric cars. It was fought, fought, fought for so long until those companies decided it was these big car companies decided it was financially logical to now become, you know, the harbingers of control of that specific, you know, uh, section of the industry, right? It's just the way it's, that's how capitalism works. It's the name of the game. It is what it is, right? To say a statement that just exists (laughs) when you don't have further words, uh, you know, just, it is what it is, right? So he was, uh, he, he kept you know, in his rambling, he would go on these rants, you know, and I would listen and I would try to make sense of them. And he just kept saying, and he was sometimes he would get worked up and be like, I got to stop. I got to slow down. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, it's almost like he would go into overload because he's he's back out in the world and he's just trying to figure out life. So he couldn't always, uh, he couldn't always uh, just vocalize the thoughts that were going in his head, you know. 
So some of the stuff that he had was just a bunch of books. And he made he he did say the one positive thing that he got in terms of uh, being being you know the journey that he's on is uh, you know he said that he found God in prison. Now you can say what you want, you can believe what you want, but when you're in there and you can find some sort of uh, peace level of peace, and it's through uh, you know an entity that some of you you know don't believe in. Well, that's fine, but. That's how he survived, right? So who am I to judge one way or the other whether or not that's uh, an accurate way to choose to live your existence, right? So he said, you know, God saved him. And, you know, he was an avid reader of the Bible. You know, love it or hate it. Again, I don't care. that This is his story. It's his experience. Um, you know, just kidding. <laughs> um... And you know he was an avid reader, avid reader overall. Uh, he just had a lot of books, and he just kept saying he, he would get he would try to clarify what he his new purpose in life. Right? He was almost it was eerie because you know, on one hand he's saying Jesus is the way, but then he was almost positioning himself as almost like he was Christ like, and that can kind of be the manic thing that comes through when you've just been in these high tense situations. I get I get a little manic myself, right? I'm sure you do. Have you ever had a Messiah complex for a moment? I'm sure we all have in certain areas of life, you know. Um, you know, um, <laughs> I just thought of that one episode from How I Met Your Mother with, uh, I can't remember, I can't remember, that's a good show. Uh, I gotta start watching that show. I love, I've been on, on Netflix, again, going back to Netflix, right? I just, the, the, my go-to comedy show is probably The Office. Like, I'll literally watch a couple episodes and, uh... You know, once I get to the end of the end of the series, I just go back to episode one. You know, but I need to reincorporate How I Met Your Mother because that that's a really funny show. <laughs> so, back to Surf. He he basically said that those people that are doing this, you know, and profiting off these broken, stolen lives, and he was saying people would get murdered. There's people buried in the. Uh, in the in the in the courtyards or the you know the open air, the open environment aspects of the jail cells they're just buried there and you know oh they got in a fight they got in a gang fight that's why they were murdered you know this someone else murdered them oh now we can accuse that person of murder so now we can have them stuck here for you see you know I really want to believe this because I can I can see this happening it's almost you know think of that movie Shawshank Redemption right that classic movie. You're trying to tell me corruption, corruption doesn't corrupt absolutely, especially when people are making money and it's a political system garnished to keep a certain people down so that they can't find success in life, all in the name of profit and control. God, two things I hate. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I, I, I really want to believe this. I, I, and there's activists fighting this. So he's, you know, he's just he's been someone who's experienced it firsthand, this system. This, this evil system of control. I always think of 9-11. And I, I, when I'm going down philosophical quandaries of thought, I always fall back to 9-11 and just think of how in my state of mind, it was like it was like a mental change happened across the world, at least in America, right? Something changed that day. There was an innocence loss in a lot of ways. Maybe that's just because I was a teenager, right? But I always look at those towers falling and I think to myself, what great... Um, obviously if, if Osama bin Laden claims credit for it, I give him credit just duly for the atrocity that he committed. But to me, you know, the CIA created 
Osama bin Laden. It's proven fact, right? So what dark forces at some levels of government somewhere, and I'm not just saying the United States of America, right? But just overall speaking, what dark forces of thought are juxtaposed to the, you know, the idea of love and peace and hope for all and family, you know, and just helping each other? What dark thoughts, what dark, you know, just overall a spirit, a mindset, was cre- is out there in the world today trying to hurt in the name of control and power. So can I really, th- you know, what dark emanation of just overall concepts of existence pushed for that type of thing to happen to mass manipulate our minds and the thinking that the world was a certain way? You know, the lives that were lost that day. So yes, do I think that, you know, having mass incarcerations can come from a dark mindset? Yes, I absolutely do, 100%. And so Surf was just, he, like I said, he would go on these rants, kind of, kind of like I'm doing right now, and he would just sort of state, you know, one day he's going to, he doesn't know how he's going to do it. He doesn't know how he's going to do it. But he's going to find a way to expose all these evil people for who they are, let them know what they're truly doing, and it doesn't matter if he dies, he's going to set it up in a way where if he pushes a button and it's done, there's nothing they can do. He will, you know, do what he needs to do to make sure the truth gets out. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. (laughs) You know, that's a life, that's a life mission right there. So I don't want to ruin the whole uh, chapters I'm devoting to surf in the book, but long story short, I've been in times in my life where I've needed help for sure. I've been broken. I've been beat down. I remember one time when I was working a minimum wage job and I, uh, you know, I had to take the bus cause my car was done and I couldn't afford the insurance anyways, minimum wage. Right. And I'm just broken because I'm a college dropout who chose Bible college in the first place. Not exactly a financially stable entity. <laughs> I know I have a lot of good friends who've made lies out of it, I, but it wasn't for me at that time. That wasn't, the final destination for what I was supposed to do, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was still figuring it out, right? I think I'm kind of getting there. But I just remember being broken. And when you're down, you're down. It's t- when, you're, when you're in that hole, you're in that hole. And I remember um, I left my wallet on the bus. And I had about $60 in it. And the bus took off, and I immediately realized what it had done. The, bu- the, the bus was gone. The bus would turn around because I was towards the end of its run, and I knew it would come back about a half hour. But in the meantime, I don't have my wallet. $60, all my IDs, you know, stuff like that. My bank card with no money on it. <laughs> and the bus comes back, and I, I'm there, and the bus driver, he immediately is like, I know you. Here's your wallet. Boom, throws it to me, and then carries on. And I, I take the wallet, and I remember opening all my IDs. All my IDs are there. My bank card is there. Thank God. But the $60, gone. I don't know who grabbed the wallet, who gave it to the bus driver. I don't know if he's the one that got it, whatever. But whoever you know, grabbed my wallet decided that the tax to be paid was every dollar that was in that wallet. And I remember just feeling so devastated at the loss of not having that $60. $60. I remember being broken. And, and just... That's the kind of thing that would just break me for days at a time mentally, being hurt. But it was people uh, loving me in spite of my shortcomings, despite the fact that I needed help, helping me knowing I had nothing to offer back in the immediate moment that eventually helped me get out of that hole and begin to figure out my life in terms of finances, right? 
So I get what that feels like to have nothing and to need help. Here's a man. I don't know how he got there. He didn't really fully explain it to me. It's still something I haven't been able to fully garnish out, but I needed to know why. You get out of jail. He had gotten out of jail last February. Not the most recent one, but the one before. And uh, he's in Florida. And how did he end up in Hawaii? He didn't really... He, he talked a little bit about it. He just basically said, I got off the plane in, in Hawaii and I decided to stay. And I'm like, what? Well, wh- why would you have the plane ticket? He's like, uh, it's, I'm, I was on him. You know, he almost spoke esoterically in terms of his story. <laughs> of how he got... So I couldn't really get the full details as to why. But he is in Hawaii learning how to surf on the North Shore during the winter. You get killer waves. So he'd spent the money just living on the beach and surfing. And he, you know, he did talk about how he was working jobs here and that like the pay in Hawaii is a lot better everywhere else. Minimum wage, I think, is $15 basically. or That's the starting rate for most things. And he was doing, he had a hard hat. So I know he was working. Those boots showed that he was working. He said he was doing a lot of rubbish clearing for about $20 an hour. So he was, you know, he was working, but his passion was here was surfing and figuring out what to do in terms of how to get justice served for the past 10 years of his life. And I'm, that's all I want to talk about with surf, because, again, it's going to be in the book. So if you want the full surf story, buy the book, which I'm hoping to have done within the next two months. And then i got to start the process of figuring out how to actually get it sold. <laughs> or, you know, so I'm just trusting the process, man. Trusting the process, bro. Yeah, so... Crazy. So to wrap up surf, though, uh, so I, I, like I said, I've, I know what it's like for someone who needs help. So for two days, I got – because he was flying home. He was going back to Florida to do something. Again, he wouldn't fully say. He had the cash, but he needed the help buying the plane ticket because he doesn't own a debit card. He needed to get to the airport, so on and so forth. Long story short, I dedicated a weekend to drive him, driving him around, getting the story, and helping him out. Because I felt in that moment, that's what I was called to do. That's what the universe was telling me I needed to do. And it was an honor. And it was uh, a lot of crazy stuff happened. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm just thinking about some of it right now. It was a trip. It was an absolute trip. So I look forward to being able to share more of that story through my words when you decide to read it. So yeah, I um, I am in the military, which, if you listen to the first podcast episode, the Raw Cut initial, what the hell is this, you now know. If you don't, now I'm telling you I am in the military, I'm in the Navy. And I'm going to try to uh, give a little bit of Navy knowledge, a couple tidbits here or there, so that you can get an idea of uh, what my life is like. So I'll try to give one... Navy ship story every time I do one of these dealios. And it's just kind of to show you just how, like, it's all second nature to me now because I've been through two deployments. I've been on multiple underways, which is you're gone for an extended period of time on the ship. And it's just what it is. It's part of my life. I'm not in love with it. That's for dang sure. I don't like being away from my actual life for extended periods of times. But... It certainly is a unique life <laughs> lived that thousands of people uh, do every single day in order to make sure that this country stays free. <laughs> so 
one Navy ship story. So I'll tell you one thing, and this is going to be kind of silly, it's kind of stupid, and it's really simple. It's vending machines. Uh, And I thought about that today because I'm currently at an office shredding paper for three hours a day (laughs) as I transition back to the East Coast where I'm going to get more schooling. So I'm just basically on hold. I'm in the military, I'm on hold, and there's nothing truly for me to do. I drive a couple people around to the airport and stuff like that, pick people up. Nothing major. Completely in love with it because it's like a month off, which considering the last two plus years, almost three years, the whirlwind I've been on, this has been needed and really nice. So I am not complaining. I am simply shredding. <laughs> that no, I, I put I put some ear AirPods in. I listen to some stuff, and I, I honestly, if you if I didn't have aspirations in life, which you know sometimes I wonder if I do, <laughs> I could do this for twenty years and get a pension. <laughs> Just shred paper, baby. But um. But I went to the vending machine to get a bottle of water, and I to the right of me was the snacks vending machine, and I, I was looking at the snacks, and they're very similar to the snacks that they have on the vending machines on the ship when you're underway or on a deployment, and I couldn't believe how disinterested I was in those snacks. I had no desire to swipe my card and to hit A7 or whatever combination there is to grab any of those Uh, type of junk food because now that I'm here I have access to food essentially 24-7 and I've chosen to eat healthier although god part of me is like become vegan well at least don't eat meat but definitely keep doing the eggs thing for protein purposes but god every time I like when I when I leave this place this building it's near Ruby Tuesdays and a couple other uh, like Korean barbecue and stuff like that and it's about lunchtime when I get out and I just smell the beautiful combination of sauce and meat, primarily chicken. And I am just like, oh, boy. Yeah, oh, that's why I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> Man. So I'm trying to transition my life to, like, eggs and free-range chicken, you know, free-range beef, just not – because uh, yeah, I don't know. I just can't do it. <laughs> I respect the people that do, but I'm, yeah. So like mass incarceration animals, I'm trying to not support that. And if that means I have to pay a couple extra dollars for meat, that's so darn be it. But how can you, it's so hard. Cause like, there's really no way to confirm, especially when you're eating at a restaurant. Cause there's, I guess you can just choose an organic restaurant. West Coast, Hawaii, there definitely is just a a stronger movement of that. When I go back home east, it's probably impossible. But yeah, man, I'm talking about meat has gotten me sidetracked. Oh, yes. But when I'm underway on deployment, the vending machine becomes this, like, this source of existence. Because they fill it up a couple times a day. You have three meals, breakfast. Well, you have four meals. You have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And those are paid for. You're given money in the military when you're not on a ship each month for for buying groceries. It's about $350. But when you're stationed on a ship, they take that from you because that's what supposedly uh, pays for the supplies of food that are brought onto the ship. So there's a little bit more Navy knowledge. Um, yeah, so, but the meals aren't, you know, very rarely, unfortunately, are they exquisite. 
So sometimes you skip meals. You're on a 24-hour watch rotation where you're, for me it was nine hours off and then three on. So over the course of a day, you know, you have to sleep at some point. You know, so you're going to miss one of those meals. You're not going to get all three. But there's this fourth meal called mid-rats, which happens around 11 p.m. at night or in the military, 2300. Uh, and that's like uh, leftovers from dinner if you sleep through dinner. So there's a very good chance. Usually I would get two meals in during the day. I try to get breakfast and maybe one other meal because I was also trying to cut weight. But you get hungry and there's like a sh- little thing called a ship store that has snacks and then there's these vending machines that have snacks. And when you haven't eaten in a while, and that is your only food source, suddenly those snacks become your source of existence, obsession, addiction. <laughs> and obviously it's unhealthy. You know, it's not good for you. So I'm just amazed how when you're underway, you come to terms with the reality, especially in a deployment, that as a human living on this planet, you really don't need that much. You don't need 20 pairs of sneakers. You don't need 15 outfits. You don't need, you know, there's really just not a lot you need. You can really exist. There's like a quote, a man doesn't know what he needs until he's out. Or a, I don't know the quote, but it's something like the sailor. A sailor doesn't realizes he doesn't need much to live. I don't know. I can't even do it. So I could Google it right now, but I, I'm so embarrassed that I have already hacked it to death. I'm just going to carry on. But the truth is, is when you're out there with very little, you have a little rack, a little sleeping space. You you have very little in terms of clothing because you're just wearing the same thing essentially every day. Uh, you just don't need a lot, but you still survive and you carry on and you find ways to be human and live. It's not a great existence for sure, but it comes to an end. You get back home, you get back home, the months pass by and you're still alive. So yeah. So, but the vending machines, (laughs) They just, people like lose their minds, especially when like they break. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm above it or when the supply people don't fill it. Cause there's actually people in the military paid to just, you know, fill vending machines. And that's great. Good for them. Cause without them, again, you're just like, Oh God. So that's a little bit of Navy knowledge for today. I'm not going to go overwhelming with the Navy knowledge. I will try to say one thing of ship life being on a Navy destroyer. So yeah. Vending machines, you become addicted to them, you really do. And now that I'm back home, thankfully, I have not. I've done a good job. I got down to right before I left. I started deployment, the most recent. Oh, I hear that. You hear the, the, um, oh boy, they're starting in the background, so I don't know. I'm probably going to stop this soon. If not, I'll continue on. I'll re listen. And then if the uh, banging in the background is too overwhelming, I'll just cut this part and redo it. But let me, let's push forward. So, oh man, I just totally forgot what I was saying. <laughs> oh, so I started deployment at about 170, which is, for my opinion, overweight, because it's not a muscular 170. It's definitely a fat 170. I'm only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, on a good day. And I'm sure I'll, when it's all said and done, I'll end up being like 5'6". <laughs> but that was definitely at an unhealthy uh, weight. Because, the you know, I love, there's really a lot of good food in Hawaii, and it does not... I was living downtown, and it's just, I love cooking, but man, there's some really good restaurants. <laughs> sushi, I love sushi. I bought some gas station, Susie, uh, Susie, 
sushi from 7-Eleven the other day when I was headed up to these uh, beaches on the west side of the island, and it was just, oh man, that banging's too loud. Those guys are the worst. <laughs> I'm going to pause this because I, I like where this is going, and then if I determine that it's too loud because I'm going to re-listen to it, I will stop. If not, I'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay, now we're really back. <laughs> well, well, that was confusing. Not really. Um, so I took a hike. The work, the uh, roofers are too loud. And then the guy who mows the lawn for this whole uh, apartment complex... He uh, was making his way closer to this neck of the woods, so I said, screw it. And then I went and did a hike. It was about a two-hour hike. And I'm a little famished, but I wanted to finish this. I think I was near 50 minutes, and I want to do between an hour and an hour 20. I think that's a good time. So you can use this time to gauge uh, my energy level. You can... See how instantaneously, a few hours later, the feel of a person can change in an instant. Well, at least for you, for your ears. <laughs> and I'm going to just wrap this up, basically, uh, before the people that are upstairs get back, because they're loud. Not that I'm complaining. This isn't my home. It's Someone's letting me stay here for the month that I transition, because the place that I own, I'm renting out for the year, because I'm not going to be here, so I'm not going to just have that place empty, have someone else pay my mortgage. <laughs> so I went on this hike. Uh, it was a good hike, four and a half miles, about two hours. Uh, stopped along the way, took some pictures. It, it's near the center of the island in the mountains. So it was, a, it was a uphill for the majority of it, felt like. Uh, I definitely went the wrong way. So th- obviously there's a start and a stop, and it's a circle. And I would... Uh, you know, obviously, I saw a bunch of people over time going my way. Um, or no, sorry, they would would be going opposite. So they come at me, I'd come at them, we pass. You know, whatever. I, obviously, it would have been impossible to see someone uh, going the same direction as me because if we're going the same direction, essentially the same speed, you know, logically, <laughs> I'm not going to see them. But I also parked in an area where there weren't many cars versus. When I got to the end, there was a lot of cars, and now I realize why. Because it seemed like the route I went, the majority of it was uphill versus the the very end. It was about, like I said, it was four and a half miles. So I'd say the last mile, if I had to guess, was downhill, which means I did about three and a half miles uphill. So obviously people who know this trail are smart, and they do the, they do the uh, well, yeah, they do the uphill incline the start, rough sledding for about a mile, but then they get that nice gentle downhill uh, three miles plus or whatever, if I had to guess. <laughs> so lesson learned. However, I did get some nice pictures I was able to post on Instagram if you want to check it out. Uh, it Get some good views of the highway that runs right through the mountains, the highway that actually I mentioned earlier in this podcast. So there's a little uh, uh, come full circle storytelling right there for you. <laughs> I got a little freaked out because this guy ran by me. Oh, you hear those chickens in the background? Roosters. Those are my alarm clock. 5.30 every day. They do it out the whole course of the day, but they're definitely doing it in the morning. 
There's like a whole ecosystem right behind me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. The, uh, there's like a definitely a significant, there's like a family. There's a couple roosters and then there's a couple, I guess, hens that are moms. And then they have like little, little, uh, well, are hens the female form or are hens with baby chickens? I don't know. Okay, so they have the baby chickens. <laughs> couple of roosters, which are the men, and then the females, and which are the moms, obviously, and then the kids, the little dudes, follow the moms around all day, and then the roosters just seemingly crow territorially, I'm guessing. But uh, they have, like, their little life on this hill. <laughs> and it's just their life, you know, and good for them. I tried to feed them some, like, uh, bread the other day, but they all just ran real quick, like, super quick. It was really funny to actually see. Because they're calm, and all of a sudden they just like automatically knew just run, as if I'm like some evil person. But that's smart. That's nature for you, right? Hike was interesting. This one dude was running. He he crossed me. Uh, they, they, there's a sign that said at the start of the hike, you know, this is four and a half miles. They can take up to three hours because it's it it wasn't muddy or anything. Thank God. Although there was if it was raining, which often it does in the mountains. Goodness, that would have been in trouble at some point because you get too deep into it and you're like, well, the only way to get out is to now finish, right? You can't turn around because it's just as long, so I might as well just continue on. And I didn't really know how far along I was ever. So this guy ran by me. There's a couple runners, but this one guy in particular ran by me. And then I'd say 15 minutes later, it felt like, I could be wrong, he ran by me again. So now I'm wondering if there's been a glitch in the Matrix because that's freaking me out. I'm like, wait, what is, wait a second. Because there, there seemingly was no shortcuts that I could have imagined that you could have this is legit woods legit mountain like the path that you're on is really essentially the only path out there that can possibly exist it veers off a couple times but I think that's just more for pictures and views of you know the the mountains and stuff like that but other than that this you're just in the heart of the woods uh it's so it's very cloudy up there so if it gets if it falls at night you know Polaris isn't going to save you (laughs) But, yeah, so, I'm a little worn out. Voice is hoarse. It was hoarse at the start of this, because I listened back to some of this just to make sure that I was uh, making sense of whatever I was trying to talk about earlier. But, but yeah, actually, let me uh, get a little bit more comfortable here, so I'm nice and sore. I'm calling this my workout for the day. Judge me, I don't care. (laughs) So, um, man, so there's this couple of, uh, I saw this YouTube clip of this, I know it's not pack, but I can't think of the proper terminology right now, so I saw this, there's this pack of dolphins, <clears throat> and they're just, like, riding the waves, basically, like, like maybe, like, seven or eight of them, at least a dozen, or half a dozen, and then there's this dude who's, like, paddle boarding on a surfboard, just, like, living his life, <laughs> And then right when, uh, right when they, they're, they're going through riding through someone's video recording this and right when they get near this guy who's paddleboarding, the, this one dolphin seemingly intentionally jumps out of the ocean. Cause they're kind of just like riding like, like the wave or like the very thin layer of the top of the ocean. So they're underwater, but visible probably cause it's in a nice location. But this one dolphin, right when they're about to get this paddleboard, clearly jumps out of the water, <laughs> out of the ocean, and knocks the paddleboarder uh, off his surfboard and just knocks him into the ocean. 
Oh, it's so funny. So if you need a good YouTube clip, that's all of five seconds to make you laugh. Please, for the love of God. Just YouTube. I don't know what the search would be. Dolphin hits man on surfboard or something like that. <laughs> so I'm leaving Hawaii. I will be back. Obviously, I, like I said, I own property here. That was something I never thought I'd ever be able to achieve, but I've managed to pull it off through the magic of just pushing forward in life. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to Virginia where I'll get some schooling for the Navy. Then it's over to San Diego, and then I'm going to Maine, where the ship that I'm going to is being built currently, but then I'll be ready to go in the water and have a crew go onto it. And then that ship is going to sail all the way to Hawaii, so that's how I'll be coming back to Hawaii about this time next year, supposedly, if the construction of the ship and all that stuff goes as planned, which in the Navy oftentimes doesn't happen, so maybe... I'll be f uh, away from Hawaii longer than I intend, but thankfully I will be going back to Hawaii. In the meantime, I'll be going to Virginia around the D.C. area. So I'll be doing a lot of this because I know that there's not much to do where I'm going. Because even though it's the D.C. area, it's really a very farmy, farmland-ish area with not a lot. That's where the base is located. It's, an, uh, it's a secret facility. Um, not that that's a big deal in my opinion. And... Uh, well, they got some interesting things over there that they're building or trying to create in terms of weaponry. It's basically a weapons uh, facility. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there getting training and uh, pretty cool stuff there. Uh, six months will be nothing. That should fly by. But I plan on doing a lot of this, finishing my book, and just making sure that I stay active, busy, and don't get caught up on a, in a lazy just sort of attending the schooling and doing nothing on the side because as I was saying at the start of this I need to uh, push forward in my life and chase the dreams that I want to chase <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying any of this right now I guess I'm more tired than I realized but I started recording so I stop and it's relatively quiet around me so I guess I'll just continue on I'll go to my notes here I had like I said trying to be more organized so that I can push forward and, uh, you know, give a purpose to this. No one just wants to hear someone talk just to talk. So, yeah. <laughs> um, have you been seeing the uh, pictures of the black hole? The first ever imagery of the black hole. It's a few days old. I'm not trying to get too topical on here because I want people to be able to listen to this. And, you know, not having to be like, hey, did you see the latest episode of Game of Thrones? Which I have, by the way. Ugh. So when I first saw Game of Thrones, it was on deployment. And I tore through it, you know, like maybe like three weeks, like every season except for the newest and last season. And so you're able to watch these episodes and you're just able to pour, tear through them. And then, you know, you get, I mean, you're, you're in the middle of the ocean doing nothing. So, you know, I get four or five knocked out, you know, in a day. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Then I get back here, and now I have to wait a whole week in between shows. So I'm left wondering what's going to take place. I don't, I don't like this to bring up Netflix for the third and final time, I promise. I like how they, uh, pour, you know, when they debut a series, it basically 
they just debut every episode. Back in the day, I liked House of Cards before that jumped the shark. It lost its way, and then obviously Kevin Spacey, you know, <laughs> is who he is. So, did you see that? I don't know if it was, it was like on his Twitter or something, where he basically defended the accusations made against him in his actual life. But he was playing the character of Frank Underwood, the character in the show House of Cards. He's got that southern drawl-ish sort of thing going on and authoritative and aggressive and all that nonsense. And he's using this character to basically say that he will be vindicated of the accusations made against him. <laughs> what? In a sick way, it's brilliant because people, if he, you know, people want to use this against him, he can say, no, I'm just acting. I'm in my character of Frank Underwood, my most well-known television character I've ever played. But it's a little twisted and kind of goes deeper and shows the nature of who he probably really is if he thinks, you know, this is a good way to begin his uh, defense and reinsertion into popular culture. (laughs) By playing Frank Underwood. I, uh... I'm not going to hate, I mentioned it earlier, I'm not going to hate on Bible college directly, but there will be a few times in this that I'll give you tidbits of my experience, because just like the Navy, uh, where most people don't do that for life, uh, most people don't go to Bible college. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you some really interesting things that I saw. Some of them will be funny. Some of them will be positive. Some will be negative. And a lot of them, a lot of it will be scary. But this one significant thing just really, really just grinded my gears, I guess you could say. And uh, one of my buddies noticed this too. And it was just like, what on earth? So it's funny because there's these young people who, you know, they want to make a change in the world, right? So they go to an institution follows the training and the doctrine and the uh, methodologies that they had been, you know, ingrained to in terms of like their church and stuff like that. Right. So I think most people for the most part want to do good or help others. Right. And then we all, we all grow up in uh, a sort of a faith, right. Or a concept of religion. A lot of us do. Right. And the ones that do, and they also want to do good, right? So you take the combination. So obviously they think logically from that point of view. If I want to help people, how is the best way for me to do this? Oh, get involved in the thing that I believe is the most, that I've been taught is the most important way to sort of discover the secrets of the universe or the beauty of the nature of who we are, stuff like that, right? Or how to understand and embrace the idea of a greater power than me. So they go to Bible college. I did it too. I'm not saying I'm... I'm above this. No, I I fell directly into this line of thinking. And uh, so, but it's funny because you have these young people who don't know anything about life in the reality. You just don't. And I'm not trying to offend anyone that's young listening to this potentially, but as you get older and if you're paying attention and you learn more, you start to realize that you actually know less than you ever thought. And that chicken behind me agrees, that rooster. He's like, yep, you got that. That's a good point. So, you know, and that comes in time, that comes with humility, that comes with whatever, right? Maybe that's just my interpretation of the experience I'm currently having. So, yes. Uh, But 
you're you're also entering into this like cultural society, right? And it's your first time doing it. It's your first. This is imagine this being five in the morning. <laughs> so you're doing this, and or so you're you're in this world, right? You're entering this subculture that has this end goal where you are going to be the chosen person to save others. You know, a very interesting position to place yourself. But the truth is, you don't know crap about life. So in order to fulfill this, you know, self-proclamated destiny that you've chosen. You uh, basically take on the habits of those around you. You learn the methodologies and practices of those that essentially fit in and feel like you're figuring it out. And I hope this is making sense, right? And I guess this will, uh, as I'm sort of thinking about this out loud, because I do examine it from time to time in my mind, I very rarely speak this out to, te- to people. Uh, when I tell people that I work with in, on the ship that, you know, I, uh, I went to Bible college. Usually they don't believe me. <laughs> Usually that's their first reaction. Cause you know, I like to joke around, tell stories, yada, yada, yada. So when this comes out, there's like, there's no freaking way, you know, there's no way. Um, but it's true. So oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so what I was saying is I barely, rarely speak this out unless I like really, truly trust you and feel like I want to share this part of my life, which isn't often. So as I work my way through, this is what I'm trying to say, is I might have had a thought in my mind that made sense, but as I say it out loud, I might have a tough way of delivering it. <laughs> but the one thing I want to focus on today is, is in particular, and it's almost a hypocr- hypocritical thing in one sense, or maybe it's a reflection of my own issues, right? But there is this kid who is, and I'm saying kid because even though he was a senior when I was a junior, he, that means he was what, 21, 22, assuming he started right away. You know, maybe waited a few years, no, 24, that's young, right? It's just young, it is. Not that you can't know stuff at that age, but it's young. Um, so he graduated, right? And then it was my senior year. And every, uh, I think five times a week, so every day there was a chapel, a service. So you go to class in the morning, one or two classes. Then you go to chapel, lunch, and then you do one to two to three classes in the afternoon. And that was your schedule. And you had to go, you have like a card at the time where you like swiped in. So you would swipe into the chapel service and you're only allowed a certain amount of skips before you, I don't know, get in trouble. I don't remember. Don't care. Um, but this one guy, he was a senior, he left and I was very familiar with him. He would play basketball, stuff like that. And he had his voice. You know, we all have our voice. He spoke in a certain way. You spend time with these people, you know, someone's voice when you hear it. So me and my buddy and my roommate, we're very confused when he returned a year later. He got he got a speaking gig in one of these chapel services that would happen. Graduates would come back if they had entered the field of ministry, right? And he began to preach. But the weirdest thing happened. <laughs> so you know how politicians, when they're making the rounds, if they're running for a uh, national position, not just like a local, a local, uh, you know, position like Congress or something like that, but a more national stage, senator, governor, president, yada, yada, you get the idea. You know how, like, if they're in the South, suddenly someone who's raised maybe in Chicago or New York or, yeah, suddenly they, they, they have a little bit more Southern twang to them and not just, like, a one-off sentence to kind of, like, say, yeah, I get what, you, you know, just like you. No, they're actually pretending in this rare moment, suddenly they actually were raised in the same environment, which means they were garnished and, you know, developed the same tone in terms of accent. 
and it's just bull crap, right? So this guy, suddenly he comes back and he's preaching, and now, now we're in the Midwest, not quite the South, Missouri, but this 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 denomination or whatever you want to call it, this this branch of Christianity um, has very southern roots. Very, uh, yeah, southern, southern Midwestern roots for sure. Very uh, aggressively that. Um, Northeast, if you study um, Christianity in America, it's primarily, its roots are in Catholicism. So it's more conservative in nature, even the branched off Pentecostal, uh, not Pentecostal, um, what's the opposite of, uh, darn, I'm forgetting the terminology, not Pentecostal, but it's, you don't, you're not a Catholic, but you believe in essentially Christianity without all the, you know, pop and circumstance that uh, Catholicism places on you. I can't think of it right now. Shoot. Anyways, so that, not Baptist either. So that version of Christianity, okay? And suddenly he has a southern accent. So he leaves, he goes out. He must have got hired somewhere in the south. So obviously in order to fit in, he felt pressure to adapt to their way of life, right? In order to be beloved, beloved or accepted, right? He's taking on the tones the, the the essential the essentially the voice of the people he is now serving for for acceptance right you gain their trust and you can help them that's the idea right <laughs> but then apparently he forgot along the way that people would remember him a mere you know seven to eight months later probably at most if not less so they're here we're now hearing him preach a sermon and he has a completely changed voice his cadence is different he's got the southern drawl and it's just like what happened to you so now you have this young guy fresh out of bible college who is in the world of ministry and preaching and all that good stuff and he is literally changing the nature of who he is in order to fulfill his destiny to ultimately change the lives of others (laughs) and at the end of the day, that's a good term, right? At the end of the day. At the end of the day, Mr. President, are you going to raise taxes or not? Just kidding. Um, is that hurtful? No, probably not. But does it speak to the authentic nature of who you aren't now? Potentially, I think, perhaps. <laughs> and as a critical Northeasterner, we just are. Uh, it's kind of in our nature. It's something I'm working on, but I don't want to lose completely because if you can't be critical and you just always take things at face value, then obviously you're just going to eventually become a blind, uh, sheeple human. So there always has to be a bit of critical thinking in your life, regardless of how lovey-dovey you become over time, right? But at the time for me, that was just another like nail in the coffin of like, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is nonsense, I'm going to graduate like like this guy, and then I'm going to go somewhere, potentially get a gig to do whatever he's doing, and I'm going to have to change who I am in order to to feel like I'm doing well or in order to convince people through my words that somehow I can help you find the keys to existence. You know, it's just it was a very uh, fake, phony, arrogant point of view, which I wasn't interested in having at that time. So I guess that's what I'll kind of do. One Navy story, ship life, to give you an idea of what it's like to be in the military at that level. 
one story from my Bible college days because there's a lot of wacky stuff that I have been thinking about more and more lately. And then I'll just pepper in some random things here or there to kind of wrap it up nicely, like those stories. I'm not going to be picking up uh, homeless people every single week just so that you guys can get a story. (laughs) Because, you know, it did cross my mind when I was getting my drinks at the 7-Eleven that, hey, this guy... Oh, he, I mean, he could hurt me. You know, there's, I'm, I became instantly trusting of him, and I have no idea, ultimately, what his end game is. And to think, you know, there's even if it's one out of every 100, it could, he could be the one that has nefarious goals here, where you, you hear, you know, uh, U.S. Navy sailor mar- uh, murdered on uh, North, Hawaii North Shore. <laughs> Car found in ditch. <laughs> Wallet empty. You know, so, so yeah, I'm not going to be doing that, just that, so you guys can uh, be entertained, but I will be looking into life, I will be examining stuff, and this is essentially what this is about, so if you enjoyed this, thank you so much, please listen to GAM, and my first sponsor, I will do my read right now, it's Wally's Wisconsin Water, just kidding, it's not, (laughs) Wally's Wisconsin Water. You thought we just had cheese? Well, guess what? We drink water, too. All right, I got to stop. <laughs> um, so I'll be heading home to New York, and then I'll be rolling out to Virginia, and I'll be having fun writing the book, finishing that up. The goal is before July to have that nailed, and then figure out a way to get it like published in a way where I can make it available to the masses, promotion, continue doing this, have fun, learn more about life, and frankly speaking, hopefully get to a place in my life where I can just be on a hill crowing like these roosters. (laughs) Isn't that the goal of everyone? Perhaps not. So I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good day. And the words of uh, William Wallace, uh, what did he say? Ah, freedom. Peace.